Hey friends, Rich here from Unseminary. Is your church looking at expanding this year? Are you looking at maybe helping a church plant get out and launch on its own? Or maybe you're looking at launching a multi-site maybe in 2023 or 2024? I want you to reach out to our friends at Portable Church. You see, one of the things that we know is that most new church plants and multi-site campuses end up in some sort of setup, teardown, portable situation. And you could try to do it on your own, but you know what? You will save money if you talk to and time and burnout of your volunteers. If you talk to a strategic outsider, and that's what our friends over at Portable Church are all about. They're about helping you expand your ministry to go beyond your one location, whether it's through planting a campus or launching a church plant. Church planners who focus on building their core team and partner with the portability experts at Portable Church Industries hit the ground running and make a bigger impact long-term. Can we have some real talk here for a second? You might be able to save more in the short term if you do this yourself, but believe me, I've seen this so many times. Churches that try to do this themselves who don't have a strategic outsider like Portable Church end up wasting money, burning out volunteers, uh, and really lose focus, particularly in that first year when it really is all about building that core team. So this is what I want you to do. If you are thinking about launching a new church plant or a campus in the next six months to 36 months, I want you to reach out to portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary today. That is portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary today. If you're looking at planting in the next six to 36 months. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Oh, man, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation, but looking forward to this one for a while. We've got Pastor Tim Hill with us. He's the executive pastor at a church that you should be tracking with, Bear Creek Church. Uh, they started as a Bible study in the late 70s and currently is one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Uh, they have, uh, they're located at the crossroads of West Houston, Katy and Cypress, Texas. Fantastic part of the country. Really looking forward to learning from you today, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. T- tell us a little bit about Bear Creek. Kind of give us the the flavor of people were to arrive this weekend. What would it look like? Kind of fill out that picture a little bit. You bet. So Bear Creek sits right at um, an intersection where you find people shopping and buying their groceries where they're doing life. But right around that, it's all communities and neighborhoods where people live. Uh, mm. Schools near us. We have four or five um, major elementary schools, two or three Mm. high schools. Uh, So lots of families live right where we are. And so they do life together as they come to church. Uh, When Mm. they, uh, when they arrive, we're, we're really a a multi-ethnic church. We have um, around 25 or 30 different countries represented uh, both within the Hispanic community, but also quite a few people from the continent of Africa. And so they'll oh, even be cool. wearing those colorful outfits that they wear when they dress mm. up and go to church. And um, it. anyway, it's a, just a, a place where everybody feels welcome and warm and loved. And that's really important to us that we create that environment and that experience. We have multiple styles of worship services. We've got activities for every age group going on at the same time. So 
Uh, everybody it. can find their place to fit in and, and enjoy worshiping and, and growing in their faith. So good. Now, you know, it seems like the executive pastor role, we love executive pastor here, executive pastors here at Unseminary. I've spent a lot of time in those roles, but every executive pastor you talk to, their role looks a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, tell me about how you frame up that role. If somebody as a church says, executive pastor, what is that? How do you explain that? Yeah. Well, really, the, the simplest and easiest way is the pastor casts the vision and sets the direction for the course. Uh, the mm-hmm. pastor and I have a great relationship, but then he leans into me to make sure that I am working with the staff and driving the church that direction. So I lighten his load. I am his number one servant is the way I look mm. at it. So um, he, he, so good. he, yeah, he leads the church and I run the church. Love it. So good. Yeah. In other contexts, I've talked about how, you know, executive pastors lead at the intersection of vision and execution, kind of where those two things intersect, you find an executive pastor. That's so cool. Well, you are one of the fastest growing churches. You lead within one of the fastest growing churches in the country. When you think back to the last, I don't know, number of years, what would be some of those changes or areas of growth or development that you've seen at Bear Creek that might be interesting for us to kind of kick around and explore today? You bet. So like a lot of churches, uh, the last few years have been crazy and we've had a lot of churn. And so um, Mm. there are times we look in our church and it's a whole different group of people than what it was, say, even five, six, seven years ago. One of those areas is as we just watched the demographics within our community adjust and change, we have a significant um, Hispanic representation, folks that in the home, Spanish is their primary language, but yet their Mm -hmm. kids are growing up uh, in in learning English as their primary language. So we we saw as a church that we needed to adapt and adjust. We had always had a little bit of a Spanish ministry, but it was not very friendly to that culture Mm, and that that people. So they would come to church. They could go and pick up some... um, really some listening devices, they could go into the service. And while they'd be in an English service, somebody live was sitting there translating the pastor's message while mm-hmm. he was preaching it. I love that. Let's let's dig into this. So what would be some of those signs that you noticed, oh, there's a shift happening in our culture that, you know, you start to say, oh, there's, you know, we're seeing different folks arrive. What were some of the, you know, some of those things that were kind of telltale signs of that? Yeah. So one was the people that we had coming we just with our relationships with them were listening and they were letting us know of folks coming in the other is we have a great relationship with our school district uh we Mm. have the uh we sit within the third largest school district in the state of texas Uh, over over a hundred thousand kids are part of the school district and the school system is excellent we can go look at each school near us and identify what is the makeup in that school. And we started seeing Mm. that the kids going there were were coming from homes where Spanish was being spoken. So they were identifying themselves as Hispanic. And so as Mm -hmm. we saw that, like, and when I say grow, several of the elementary schools, over half the kids identify as Hispanic coming Mm. family-wise. So so as we saw that, we knew there was an opportunity there. Um, when we think, mm-hmm. when I think about challenges or problems, or I just, I immediately think, okay, where's the opportunity here? Yeah, what can absolutely. We do with this? Is there something we can do with it or not? And if we can, mm-hmm. what does that look like? So I just, that's how I go at it is ask those kind of questions. And that's how we identified the opportunity there. Yeah, I love that. So then you've at, you added Spanish translation. We've done this as, as well at our church. Talk to us about kind of that process. What did that look like? 
um, as you started to add that in? And then what impact did that have on uh, the folks that you know, you're reaching? You bet. So the Spanish translation, uh, we had folks that were the pastor's voice in Spanish is how we mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of people. The pastor would have to, uh, he scripts out his message. So now it's, mm-hmm. it's fairly rough. I mean, he's obviously going to deviate sometimes in the midst of that. But mm-hmm. they would sit in a room with a device watching and listening the service and then looking at his script and then doing that for those folks. Now, in order to give something a little more personal, we did have a Bible study in Spanish at an alternate mm-hmm. hour. Uh, but mm-hmm. as we saw that growing, I'll tell you, we we shifted just before the pandemic and then we almost had to relaunch it after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that is a full out Spanish service. So we consider okay. ourselves instead of multi-site, we're like multi-site within our site. So mm-hmm. uh, we added at 11 o'clock at the same time that our English, one of our modern services going on, we have a service entirely in Spanish. Uh, okay. I and so love that, that led us to have to, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about that transition. What led, because I think there's a lot of, so first of all, I've experienced exactly what, you, what you've done. We've added um, Spanish in and have found, you know, it's, it's a fascinating um, uh, transition. It came about as we really tried to engage with Hispanic leaders in our community, people that were part of our church and saying, hey, that would be a great ad. Yeah. But then obviously you saw that start to meet a need. And then what led you to think, okay, now we want to take the step to a full service. And then let's talk through what that service actually looks like. You bet. So in that first stage with listening devices and people following along and engaging, when we saw that number growing from 20 to 30 to 40, we just knew that um, in listening to some of those folks, they wanted to worship in Spanish. That's their heart language. Mm-hmm, that's how mm-hmm. that's how they grew up experiencing God in their life. Mm-hmm. And yet they wanted their kids growing up English to be able to be a part of the church. Now, mm. a key focus for us, we've watched other churches do this. It was really important that we stayed one church, but mm-hmm. with different languages. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, we strategically started thinking about leaders like um, mm-hmm. several of those Spanish uh, ministry leaders. They serve as deacons in our church. Mm-hmm. They serve on our finance committee. They serve mm-hmm. on our personnel committee. And so we made sure that they were a part of um, all the areas of leadership. Um, then we, I approached this just like if you were launching a church. So if you, right. in all the research of um, the preview services. So mm-hmm. we started off at an Easter. You pick a big day and you mm-hmm. launch with a service on that day. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, we did a, a one just to almost like a practice run. Hey, is our right. technology good? Are we in good shape? Because it's a different service. Um, mm-hmm. our, our media and worship guys, they all had to work at finding Spanish worship leaders. So they had mm-hmm. their uh, end of that. So we did a kind of a early test trial run service. Then we did the Easter service. And then from there, we did a once a month Spanish service. Mm, okay, um, love it. And we did that in our student building. So we had to flex a little bit with our student ministry, but use their worship space to help us. Mm -hmm. Um, In the process of doing that, we started ramping up to use our gym and create it just like if somebody were going into a school. uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's portable church in the Mm -hmm. gym. 
Uh, okay. And we built up to where we could do that every Sunday. Also in that process, it was creating an invite strategy for those folks, a promotion strategy to the Spanish-speaking families in our community. So that's where we went. We started with a part-time Spanish pastor. So early on, the, mm -hmm. the pastors preaching in those services were just guest preachers right. coming in in Spanish. Mm -hmm. But then we knew we had to add a staff person. We started with a, we actually started with a part-time Spanish ministries pastor. Mm. Um, and then okay, so, it grew from there. Yeah. Love that. Talk to me about how, so I'd like to dive in on this whole area of um, how do we ensure that we're one church in really two different expressions? What does that functionally look like? Because for folks that aren't listening in, this is one of the, we'll call it challenges, difficulties, opportunities that can come up at, with churches as they've added any kind of second language um, ministry is it can start to feel like, oh, we're two yeah. separate churches meeting in the same building. So how do you, let's talk about maybe at the functional level, you know, the services, how do you ensure that it feels like, hey, these are kind of two expressions of the same thing? How do you integrate teaching or, or do you even try to integrate teaching? You know, how do you integrate the, you know, the worship experience, all that? What, what does that look like? We do. So the Spanish ministries pastor, he preaches our pastor's message one week behind. Okay. So yep. Love it. He personalizes it. So he has the text, he has the outline, and then he can personalize that so that it's applicable and relational to the people in the Spanish ministry service and their culture. Okay. So that's how we keep that as one church at a teaching level. Now, on a mm -hmm. weekly basis, one thing as a leader, um, the Spanish ministries pastor and the pastor and myself have a weekly meeting. So we're keeping him really close mm -hmm. to us and yeah. tied into our vision and where we're going and, and maintaining a strong relationship on a mm -hmm. weekly basis in the service. It is not unusual for me. Obviously the services are at the same time. So it can be real hard for our lead pastor to get in there. Although mm -hmm. he does get in there from time to time and we juggle some scheduling around between the services, but mm -hmm. I'm in that room every single week. Mm, okay. Whether I'm on the platform or not, when I go on the platform, the Spanish ministries pastor he, he translates for me. Now, a lot of the people in that service are bilingual. I wish I were bilingual, uh, but um, Spanish with an East Texas boy's uh, accent does not go real well. So I can okay. understand it way better than mm -hmm. I can speak it. Right, but right. he does a great job and he translates. So we make sure that they see the all the staff when they do their their gatherings of new members or um, membership gatherings mm -hmm. to bring people into the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We as an entire staff, both the Spanish ministries, pastor and, and their leaders and the, all the English uh, leaders in preschool and children and students, we all come in and introduce ourselves and they see us. So we're from the very beginning, highly focused mm -hmm. on identifying and everybody seeing us as mm -hmm. one church, one staff uh, in it together. Okay. I love that. And are you doing, um, kids ministry in Spanish, uh, or is the, is the goal to have, because of the kind of first generation, second generation thing, kids ministries in English, is that, uh, and maybe talk through that decision a little bit, cause that might not be self-evident for people that haven't explored in this area. You bet. Yeah. Our, our goal was not to create every single ministry in Spanish and replicate everything. So mm -hmm. every ministry, there are 
uh, Spanish ministry volunteers from mm -hmm. the Spanish ministry that are bilingual. Mm -hmm. And so when people come, if the parents are need to speak in Spanish, we have folks there to help them. Uh, the, the lanyards that those leaders wear are different colors, so we can identify who our bilingual leaders are. Mm. Oh, that's but good. those kids are growing up English. They're going to school right. uh, with everybody. So we know that the dynamic in the home is even sometimes those kids will come and translate for their parents when they mm -hmm. talk to us. So, but mm -hmm. they want to be involved in, in the English activities. Plus that's also where their friends are. That's where everybody they see at school uh, is mm -hmm. part of that. So, uh, and so when they come and they're there with their friends, so that's just the model we adopted. Doesn't have to be the only way to do it, but for right. us, that's what mm -hmm. we decided. And it's worked really well. I can tell you that just to give you an idea that Spanish ministry Mm -hmm. prior to the pandemic had reached about 170 people in worship on Sundays. Okay. Yep. And then it dipped down and uh, it got hit real hard by the pandemic. When we came back, we were 40 and 50. We brought mm -hmm. in a new Spanish ministries pastor. That was one of the turnovers in staff at that time. We're now up to running 250 in our Spanish wow. service wow, on that's Sunday great. mornings. Wow, so, that's great. I love that. And, you know, that's... um. Yeah, so cool to hear about. So hopefully our relationship can sustain this. I'm sure it can, Tim, because you're a good guy, you know. But talk, talk to me about how we ensure in the spirit of, hey, we're trying to be one church, you know, in a, under, in a couple different expressions. How do we ensure that the Spanish ministry doesn't feel like, you know, the, the, you know, the redheaded stepsister or the, you know, the, the second class citizen, the, you know, they don't get as much as, as the English ministry side. How are you trying to address that? That I've seen that as a real issue in some of these scenarios where it's like, we, we want, we want to ensure that, um, you know, this ministry that kind of gets everything it needs. And so talk me through how that, how, how do you think about that? How have you tried to work towards that? What's that look like? Yeah. So we, we, we are conscious of that. I can tell you, mm -hmm. and we mm -hmm. ask that question. So we really work to ensure that the budget for the Spanish ministry is growing as they're growing. It's meeting the mm -hmm. need when there's the need for an additional staff. We're adding that staff. Um, mm -hmm. We, when they need an event that's unique to them, we're resourcing their ability to do the events one of the things that uh, I can tell you, one of the next challenges we're facing is because it's growing, mm -hmm. we foresee over the course of the next year, it's going to outgrow the gym. So we're looking ahead at that service moving from 11 to probably at a 12, 15 or 1230 time slot, but moving okay. into our main worship center which means oh, okay. they will have access to all of the exact mm -hmm. same resources. Now, while they're in the gym, we are providing as great a resources as we can. Um, Love it. And Love their it. worship and the leaders that are there and, and they have paid leaders and volunteer leaders on the platform. So mm -hmm. that's how we're doing that. We're just, we're super conscious of that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, by incorporating them into as much of the other church activities and events, and mingling mm -hmm. with them that we're, we're really tackling a lot relationally, but also just some of those things that totally. they can see and feel and then totally. where it's going to go in the future, you know, where they're a priority to us. And we stress that to them all the time. They are the church. They are Bear mm -hmm. Creek and Espanol. 
Mm-hmm. And, love uh, it, love it. And so we want them to know that and feel that. And that's us, a lot of it, just relational being there and saying hi all the time and greeting them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you still doing English translation or, you know, Spanish translation in the English service? Or did you get rid of all that together? We got rid of all of that. Okay. So that this is the option there. That makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Now, any kind of surprises as you know, now that you've been doing this for a while and you know, obviously, man, that's incredible to see the growth that you've seen is amazing. Love seeing that. That's so good. Any kind of surprises, things that struck you as like, Oh, this is maybe a little bit different than we anticipated when we first uh, stepped into this area. I'll tell you, here's what's surprising. We know that the Hispanic community is out there. Mm-hmm. The way we promote our church in English, being able to get mailing lists and mm. uh, send cards out and new movers lists and, and having mm-hmm. all that, it has been much harder to find that information in Spanish. Now, we have found it, but, but it mm. was not as easy to go out there. And several of the, those companies that we resource out to sometimes when we would ask them, uh, mm. hey, do you, do you do this for Spanish so we can specifically mm. target um, the Spanish in our community? And the answer was no. Um, and so that was a little bit of a challenge and a little bit mm-hmm. of a surprise. And we found workarounds for that, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very but cool. that, but that was a little bit of a surprise of knowing how significant that community was, how hard it was to get the word out there that, um, we were church, you know, it, so we're, we've got a big building sits on the road. People see it. Uh, we had to make sure we had signage out on the, uh, along that road that was in Spanish so that people mm-hmm. knew that 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 was just a little bit of a challenge to overcome that barrier. Some people, it was intimidating for them to look at that big church and they just thought it was a big English church. So right, that right, was a little right. bit of a barrier, uh, but, you know, not a surprise to us, just one we had to work through. But getting the word out was uh, was challenging. Has been challenging. Interesting. Well, I, I just love this. What a great story. So cool to hear. Um, you know, I think all of us. You, Every zip code in America is more diverse today than it was 10 years ago, and it will be more diverse 10 years from now. And I love this, uh, you know, this story of, you know, your church seeing this opportunity, stepping in, taking practical steps. I love the idea of like, hey, we tried this thing and it, you know, seemed to get a bit of traction and then we grew that. What would you say to a church leader who's listening in today and maybe specifically on you know, they they look at the demographics of their community. They're like, hey, there's a growing Hispanic community in our, uh, you know, either around us or even in our church. Um, what would you say to them if they're thinking about mm, maybe we want to take some steps? Would you suggest they they take similar steps or anything different you would do knowing what you know now? Yeah, I, I would encourage them, uh, you know, so when I think about this, I know the way we did it, it's really important to lead change and not introduce change. Um, mm. Oh, that's know, good. Introducing good change or announcing change that that can freak people out, particularly something mm. as significant as a, a little bit of a cultural shift within your church, because that's what mm-hmm. will happen is there'll be a mm-hmm. shift there. So um, thinking about strategy and how you do that, identify those uh, pockets in your community um, and if there's an opportunity there. But the way that I go about that is um, I I kind of view view what those opportunities were, and then we start praying about it. Uh, right. we, seek, okay. we seek what the Lord's direction is there. We'll mm-hmm. even, as we start to do that, ask our some of our key spiritual leaders, staff, and even lay leaders to start praying about that with us. So that's mm-hmm. just a way of seeking God, but also introducing the idea that there may mm-hmm. be an opportunity here. Then um, while we're doing that is the research um, mm-hmm. and figuring out 
what what is it going to take? Uh, what might it look like? Is it is it a minor shift like a translation service, or mm -hmm. is it um, a service in and of itself? Um, is mm -hmm. there another church in the area that's doing this, and are they struggling? And can you merge? Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, in merging that you're going to run into a whole different set of problems because I've been in mm -hmm. a church where we did that. And when a church mm. comes to you already thinking they're their own church, and if you want to have the idea that we're one church, two languages, that is mm. a big barrier to overcome. It's not mm. insurmountable, but it can be really hard. So the mm. way we did it, launching our own, we could set the culture right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, when it. you do run into things that are challenges, I always try to be solution focused. So right. um, how, how are we going to deal with that? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we we do set some goals in our Spanish ministry. Um, it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, recognizing the population, but but you got to be real flexible with that and be realistic because it is some of the for us the unknown there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What what if some of those goals look like? How have you kind of cast those out? Yeah. What, what is that? You know, what's yeah. that look like? So you know, so we we kind of set some goals. When you think of, so attendance is always the first one that a lot of us in my role and even yes. you know, pastors, we, we go straight to attend. But attendance, I, I try to figure out what's the story behind the attendance and, mm. and what is that telling us to, to do next? So with, with the launch, it's kind of like I said, when we were, when we were just um, listening devices and we saw it growing, there's an opportunity mm. there. What, what would be next? So mm. then it's launching. So then it's smaller. Um, part-time. So in an Easter mm -hmm. and the promotion, you know, had an attendance right off the bat of like 60 people. Um, but mm -hmm. we were already mm -hmm. at 40 people on listening devices. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was, mm -hmm. but once we launched into a service and weekly and we saw, you know, there's, there's a hundred people coming mm -hmm. every week, mm -hmm. that part-time person, he really needs to be full-time. Right. Um, right. So, so that was kind of a goal of, we need to get him to full-time um, mm -hmm. and full-time means, man, he, he gets all the same salary and benefits that any other pastor on our church gets. So there's a significant mm -hmm. investment there, but also, you know what, a hundred people coming, we got to make sure we're continually raising the quality of the worship. So right. we need to expand the praise team. They need, you know, some additional singers. We need to make sure they have good technology on the walls and can, um, uh, do things. We've, we've got to expand communication because all of our communications got to be, both English and Spanish. And so mm -hmm. who, how are we going to get that done? So, mm -hmm. so there's all those, all those things going on. And so goals around that of, um, mm -hmm. you know, of um, really staffing, expanding the quality of things, striving for excellence. Um, mm -hmm. But it, a lot of it was attendance driven. Yeah, totally love that. It talked to me through the um, you kind of mentioned in in passing there. There's this tension, and this is true with any ministry. This is not necessarily unique to your Spanish ministry, but there's always this tension between we want to have timelines for goals. Like we, we a goal without a timeline is just a dream. Uh, we want to have timelines, but we also want to be flexible on those things. Where right? we know that there's going to be, you know, what was that? Uh, you know, it's that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Is that boxer said that, you know, it's like, you know, we, we all think yeah. things and then it's like, okay, we then we go into the real world and, and we live, we have to, how have you worked that through maybe in the church in general or specifically in the Spanish ministry, trying to have, hold those two things in tension? Yeah. So, so with goals, setting checkpoints. So, you, you know, along the way, mm. so we would, you right. know, 
the goals were short term sometimes, you know, it was, mm-hmm. um, or if, even if it was long term, well, you know, we're at 50, we want to see it get to a hundred and at a hundred, we can do these things. And the leader that was part-time moving to full-time, he was well aware of that. And we're meeting with mm-hmm. him. We're saying, okay, Hey, we've got to 60. How's it going? What do you need help with? Uh, you know, is mm-hmm. there any ideas, you know, we want to get mm-hmm. you there as fast as we can. And so, um, you know, we, we check along the way. Um, but I, I know there's been times where in those goals, we realize this, this just is um, one, we might be looking at the wrong thing. Um, right. You right. know, it's, yep. um, uh, you know, we're with the attendance, we backed up and said, man, how many first time guests are they having in the Spanish service? So mm-hmm. where are those first time guests? Um, mm-hmm. How do we get the word out to them? How do we reach them? Do we, mm-hmm. uh, you know, creating a culture of inviting within there. So helping Mm -hmm. the pastor shift some language of teaching, Mm -hmm. but then what can we resource? Will they work with invite cards? Will they use that when they're at the store and they're inviting Mm -hmm. folks or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, at school or wherever they're at? Um, So that's, that's just kind of how we adapted and adjusted when we would see, okay, this we're struggling here. What's what leads us to that? Again, when we think goals, we've got the goal, but then we think lead measures. It's what are the behaviors, the ministry things that we've got to do to get to that goal. And that's where we would go back and start looking at those things. Love it. So good. Well, this has been just a great conversation. I know so many of us are, again, I think so many of us are looking in our community and saying, man, what can we do? And I love that you've provided just real practical steps and a real clear picture um, you know, vision forward. Um, as we're wrapping up, as we're kind of looking to, to land, how has the Spanish ministry, uh, how has that impacted the English ministry? Kind of the fact that you've added this, has that had some kind of, uh, you know, positive, you know, impact on the rest of your, uh, the rest of your community? Boy, it sure has. Our, our church is, um, so our vision statement, and we tell our people, we vision to be a gospel-centered, disciple-making community for all mm, people. Love it. And love if it. we're going to live that out, um, it is important for us as we reach our community um, that we reflect that. So, so mm. they've bought into that vision. And mm-hmm. so when we celebrate, like um, when we baptize people, the Spanish pastor will come over into... Uh, that 11 o'clock service and baptize folks in Spanish. So our English folks get to see what's happening. We're constantly reporting in, hey, right now at 11 o'clock, you know, we've got our Spanish service going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're sharing the story of what's happening. They're doing the mm-hmm. same thing over on the Spanish side of what's happening in the church. So Love just it. those celebrations and casting the vision. And so people are just excited. And of course, they're they're in the same part of the building. Um, so we've intentionally set things up where they worship and where they go to groups that they have to walk mm. through the hallways. Um, mm. And they're not in the closest rooms, but sometimes even rooms that take a little while. And so mm-hmm. it's just creating community, um, even in those in-between service times where they're walking in the hallways together and seeing each yeah, other. So good. So good, Tim. This has been so helpful. Uh, great conversation today. Anything else you want to share just as we wrap up today's episode? You know, I, I would just uh, I would just encourage, you know, all those leaders out there, um, as challenging as times can be for us as believers uh, that we may feel, there's still so many opportunities. People are so hungry uh, for uh, God's life change that mm-hmm. he can make in their life. And I would just encourage leaders, look for those opportunities. Um, 
pray about that, be open to that. And then um, as they identify those things, allow God to lead them to uh, see where where he might expand their vision um, to, uh, to to reach out and share the gospel and help make disciples of those folks. That's what that's what we're striving to do all the time. Love it. So good, Tim. If people want to track with you or with the church, where do we want to send them online? Yeah, if they just want to go to bearcreek.church, uh, that is our, uh, that our website. <laughs> just go to bearcreek.church. They can see us there. They can watch services. They can see our ministries. They can link to us as staff. They can email me from there or contact me. Um, anything I can do to help, that's the best way. Thanks so much, Tim. Really appreciate you being on the show today. You bet. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.